Hey, we've been working through a sermon series on moments, and all of us have these moments in life. There's the moment of beginning, the moment that our journey starts, right? We talked about uh, the moment of isolation, that moment when we realize that we're just all alone. And it may be that we're in the midst of a whole crowd of people, and yet there's that absolute sense of isolation. There's the moment of despair, the dark night of the soul moment of doubt when we really even wonder whether or not it's all true or whether, or whether faith even has a chance or whether we've just been fooling ourselves. And in that week when we went through that moment, we basically said, look, God knows who you are. He's always known where you are. You're not fooling him. And he can handle it. His shoulders are broad enough. We talked uh, last week about the moment of abandonment. Pastor Phil was forward and said, you know, there's a gave us this challenge to say, all right, maybe, maybe we're thinking too big. Maybe we don't abandon our whole life all at once, but maybe it's a matter of just saying, okay, this week, this day, right now, this hour, I'm going to give God a chance. I'm going to abandon myself to him this hour or just for a day. And some of you afterwards last week came up and said, I want to take that challenge. I want to see what that's like. Every week we've been looking at that uh, film, that pre-roll that starts and uh, and if you haven't noticed it, it's a whole journey, a journey of moments. Tonight we're going to talk about the moment of choice. Would you agree that in our lives there are choices all the time? Every single day there are choices that can impact our lives. Sometimes it's as simple as taking a left when you should have taken a right. Sometimes it's a matter of just walking into a coffee shop just one minute late or one minute early that might have just changed your whole life because of someone you met. Sometimes it's a, it's a matter of signing up for a class that you weren't sure you wanted. And all of a sudden, unbeknownst to you, your future spouse walks into that class. Choices. Well, they change us all the time. I've had choices in my life that changed me. I remember uh, her. My great friend, spent so much time with her, laughing, talking, just so enjoying her, and then realized that something had changed in my heart. And then there came this choice. And in my mind, it kind of went this way. Oh, man, she wants to be kissed. And I wouldn't mind kissing her, except for one thing. If I do, it'll change the relationship forever. So I walked her to her car, and her face gently lifted up to mine, expecting that maybe this would be the moment of choice that would change everything. And I quickly opened the car door and put her in. A moment gone. Do you ever wonder sometimes what would happen? You thought it was going to be another story, didn't you? <laughs> but isn't that the way it is with life? And there's these moments of possibility, these moments of choice. And sometimes what we do is we go to the safe place instead, right? Well, tonight I want to talk to you about a moment of choice from the, from the Bible. It's a moment of choice and a moment of challenge, and you'll find it in 1 Kings chapter 18. He was hacked. He was fed up. 
He had had it. He was a follower of God, and it seemed that nobody else was. And so he found himself marching up to the top of a mountain where there were 450 prophets of a God named Baal gathered for a day of challenge. He made a choice to go. And here's what he knew. As I go up this mountain, if, if I win this challenge, I'll win it all. But if God doesn't come through, everything's lost, including my own life. A moment of choice. The place is ancient Judah, Mount Carmel, and the man is Elijah. So Ahab, the king, did this. He sent to all the people of Israel, and he gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people, and here's the question that he asked. How long will you go limping? How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, then do this. Make a choice to follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. How long will you go limping between two opinions? Isn't that the way it is in life sometimes? There's a choice out here, and we're trying to straddle the fence. We're just kind of wavering on both sides. And we know what's to the left and what's to the right, and our heart of hearts says, God is real. I know he's real. And I'd like to take a choice to follow him. But on the other side of the fence, it seems like there are 450 prophets of some foreign god or some foreign entity or some foreign idea or some foreign philosophy outnumbering you 450 to 1. Your whole heart says, I want to go this way. I know this is it. But all the world seems to outnumber you on this side saying, don't go. So one day on Mount Carmel, there were 450 prophets of Baal and just one follower of God and a bunch of spectators. Something you need to know about the God of God Baal. The ancient people thought that he was the God of storm, the God of fire and of water. And so Elijah goes up to the mountain and here's what he says. Then Elijah said to the people, I'm the only one left, the only prophet of the Lord, the only one that still speaks for God. But Baal's prophets, they're 450 strong. So here's the challenge. Let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it into pieces and let them lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I'll prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And here's what you can do. You call upon the name of your God, and I'll call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, well then, he's God. Basically what Elijah does, it takes it into their own backyard and says, you, God, you followers of the God Baal, you're following a false God, but you say he's the fire God? All right, 
the God who answers by fire is God. He's got them trapped. There's nothing else they can do. And so they say it's well spoken. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourself one bull and prepare it first. In other words, I'll give you first choice. For you're many. And call on the name of your God, but put no fire to it. So they took the bull that was given to them, and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning to noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice. No one answered. And they limped around the altar that they'd made. And at noon, Elijah started to make fun of them. He started to mock them, saying, Why don't you cry louder? For uh, he's a god. And either he's musing, or maybe he's relieving himself, or maybe he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep. And it has to be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances, and the blood gushed out from them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering, but there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. And all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. He prepared the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Where are they? They're in ancient Israel. What should everybody have been doing in that land? Worshiping the Lord. But instead, they had been pulled aside by false faiths and false ideas, false prophets. And so God's own place of worship had been torn down. It's late in the day. The Baal guys get all the advantages. First bull, all the sunlight, all the heat. And all Elijah's got is a broken down altar. But before he does anything, he builds back up the place of worship in front of the people. How about you? What altars are down in your life? What are the places that the world has just ravaged you and torn things down so you can't follow God anymore or feel that you can't? What are the places that were once holy in your life that need to be rebuilt? Elijah takes it and he rebuilds it. And then he took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones, he built up the altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two large vats of seeds. And he put the wood in order, and he cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood, and he said, here's what I want you to do. Take these four jars and fill them with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time, and they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time, and they did it a third time. And the water ran down around the altar, and it filled the trench with water. Do you get what he's doing? It's late in the day. Baal's the god of fire and water. Ha. So he puts water all over the offering. Man, it is drenched. There's going to be no fire on this thing. And I love what he says. Part of this is going to be these 12 stones. And the 12 stones, he looks at the people and says, each of them stands for you. Because no matter where you've been, you're still God's people and the promises are all still there. Tonight, if we were building up an altar, maybe we build it up and instead of just 12 stones, maybe it would be 60 or 70 and each one of you would have a stone, right? 
And somebody would put it up there and say, don't forget who you are. Don't forget who you belong to. The almighty God who created you, who is over any false God or false idea loves you. You're still his people. And at the time of the offering, Elijah the prophet came near, and here's what he said. O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I've done these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me that this people, that every person here might know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back today. Let them know, God, that you're God. Let them know, God, that you still want their hearts. Let them know, no matter the fact that they've turned away, that they've walked away, let them know on this day of choice that you want their hearts back. And the moment that Elijah says that, let them know that you want their heart. Here's what God does. Then the fire of the Lord fell, and it consumed the burnt offerings. But not just the offering, check it out. It also consumed the wood and also the stones and even the dust and licked up all the water that was in the trench. Basically, God nukes it. He says, I've just been waiting all day for this. I got really tired of those prophets of Baal, the people saying the wrong thing, and just really kind of tired of it. And now that God's people are potentially turning their hearts back in this moment of choice, I choose to take the offering in whole and to pull my people back to me. And when all the people saw it, here's what they did. They fell on their face and they said, the Lord is God. The Lord, Yahweh, is God. Another time, centuries before, the leader's name was Joshua. And in chapter 24 of Joshua, again, he gives people a challenge. They're all walking all over the place. Man, in my life, I've walked places that I should have walked and places that I shouldn't have. There have been times when, man, I've just been so far off track that it was just hard for me to make a choice to say, well, that wasn't a good choice. Sometimes it was just stubborn pride, and sometimes it was shame. All those things can keep us away. But here's what Joshua tells the people. Love God and serve him with sincerity and faithfulness. Do this today. Put away, get rid of the gods that your fathers served beyond the river in Egypt. Get rid of everything he's saying that's false. Go through your house. Go through your heart. Go through your mind. Go through your life. Get rid of it today. Make that choice. And then here's what he says. Choose this day, today, who you'll serve. 
but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See what Joshua was saying and what Elijah was saying. It's like, come on, guys, come. Choose, come, come. But even if you don't come, even if I'm outnumbered one to 450, even if I'm the only one, it makes no difference. As for me and my house, as for me and all that I am, I choose, I choose to serve God. The world's going to pull us a million different directions. But Jesus is our compass, the true north, right? And is always asking us, choose, choose me, choose me. I desire your heart. I desire your life. I love all that you are, no matter where you are. Make the choice. Choose me. Some of us have already made that choice, and so every day of our life, there's new choices on how we'll serve, right? And sometimes it's a choice on how we'll be courageous. And sometimes it's a choice on what we're going to do with the next season of life. Every single time, call on the name of the Lord and say, as I choose God, which way, which way? Tell me what to do. I choose you. I choose you today. I choose you tomorrow. I choose you forever, no matter what anyone else does. The moment of choice. It comes to us sometimes as one big, brilliant moment. But also as we go through our lives, there's always a new day and new opportunities to choose the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator and sustainer of our souls. Why waver and limp between two opinions when one is so much greater than what's left, which is nothing? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for tonight, for the fact that you're always choosing us, for the fact that you love us and are always desiring our hearts no matter what. Oh God, life can be such an adventure when we choose you. So full, so free, so certain. We know it. In our own hearts, we know it. And so, God, on this day, just talk to our hearts. And if there's a place where we just haven't been choosing you, well, help us. Because who wants to go limping around a fence all day? I don't want to walk with a limp. I want to run to you, dear Father. So help us. We love you. Amen.